Welcome, welcome to Pudding Time, a podcast where me, Josh, and my friend John never really intro it, um, but I'm doing it today. So I, I want to take a moment and say welcome to our guest, who is becoming enough of a guest that I feel like he might be at this point considered a recurring role. Um, mm. Okay. Right, right. Mm. It's a th- it's a three-peat for you, Brian. It's a three-peat. Yes. Brian yes. Dunn, who we've had on twice before, is is back with us, and um, and we're doing it. We're really doing it. Awesome. So good to be back, guys. Is three-peat a sports thing? <laughs> it just, it just means doing, repeat. Am I winning? It just means yes. repeat three times. <laughs> it's like when people smush words together because it's cutesy. Oh, like tuple and triple. Is that is that exactly. right? No. Yeah, I, I that. <laughs> is that like when you're there's three of them? Do you call it a truple? A truple. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or trulian when it could be right. not true or right. false. Right. Trulian. Right. Mm. Not just when it's a boolean that's always true, which is a different kind of trulian. Okay. Mm. Or when I stand against the wall, that's my trulian. We should get going. Um, we have some cards on the board. The first thing I want to talk about is something that went well, which is from Brian. Ascension mm. deck building game online provides yes. artificial togetherness. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of being a little bit negative about it there, but uh, I love it. Um, they, I recently realized that you can set games to be seven days long. So there are very few people that enjoy this game that can't take their 20 turns in a week to play through a whole game with me. So um, now on my Ascension login, I have, you know, usually like 12 games going. And pooping is something I look forward to like never before. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take all those turns, you know. Dad, where are you going? Yeah. I'm about to ascend. <laughs> I'm gonna ascend. I'm gonna, I mean, they've got they've got new expansions out, and I've, um, you know, I'm like, I guess it, it's my college days. I don't want to pay for anything software related, maybe. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Sarah finally talked me into you should just buy them all because this is what you do most of the time. So now I own all the expansions. She was right. <laughs> Spend so the this twenty is, you know, fifty dollars. Play with me. Let's play. Do you... Cool. I've never I'm, heard I've of this a... game, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Um... <laughs> I believe Ascension is the kind of deck building game where it's not like the the person with the most money to sink into their cards is going to win. Uh, you know, I'm thinking like Magic the Gathering. It's like there are cards. We all share them. And the fun is like how you um, randomly get some cards and how you kind of put them all together. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, it's a deck builder. That's you said it perfectly. Deck builder where you all start from the same, same place. Um, there's just ah, so okay. many weird dynamics. It's like uh, Dominion, if you remember that one. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of it's a little bit newer, and it's like monsters and magic themed. Mm-hmm. The art, the art's a little more fun than judges and duchies or whatever. Right. <laughs> Is it only on Steam? It is on Steam and iOS, and oh, I think if perfect. you buy it on Steam, you get access on Android too. If you okay, one are of they those people. are those networks? Are they um, 
links? Like if I'm on the phone, can I play with somebody that's on Steam? Okay. Yeah, there's cross-platform play, but um, there's not cross-platform expansion purchasing. So if you want to play on Steam and your phone, you're going to buy everything twice. Okay. Gotcha. That's like me and Slay the Spire. That's that's a deck building game. I was going to talk about this. One person only, though. It's a it's uh, a roguelike deck builder. So ooh. so you it most games for me. I've played. I don't know how many. I, I, it doesn't have it on here. On my phone alone, I've played. It says five hundred hours. Um, I play it passively. I play it so much, you know. Um, it's another pooper for me, but it's a, it's a great game. They last like 10 minutes for me right now. They really last not that long. Cause it's, I'm in the high difficulty. Uh, but Br- John, you know, this game too, slay the spire. Yeah. I want to say Jack Christensen, maybe mentioned this in passing. Maybe it was even at a, um, I, um, what's it called that we do on Friday uh, show and tell. Mm-hmm. And, and so I got it for um, my iPad, liked it so much. I bought it for my switch and um, yeah, it's fun. I haven't done maybe as well as what you're talking about. I haven't reached any kind of super difficulty. I think the base game is hard enough. Yeah. Um, but it's really fun. Yeah. But Ascension is two, a two player game. It looks like, right? Yeah. Up to four. Oh, hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so like we could all get in a game. All right, you know. All right, I'm gonna Take check this out whenever you get to it. I'm adding it to my my Steam list of Steams. Since so there are some topic. people that I don't really hang out with IRL very much, but you know, I feel like I see them all the time because I play Ascension with them every day. I'm not right. sure that that's a net positive, like that feeling of being hanging out, but you're not I actually have no idea how their life is going this is this is the artificial <laughs> I mean, togetherness on your card that's what you're like mentioning chats yeah the chat feature really sucks yeah. so you just kind of screenshot and text if you really want to talk about it yeah right and probably more likely you're just playing the game you're not actually right. chatting right. right one more game i wanted to mention um it's not new but i think there's a new-ish mode that i was interested in the game is called Hearthstone. It's from the World ah, of Warcraft oh, team. Yeah. And the it's called uh, Mercenaries um, game mode just came out. It's that same kind of like deck building rogue, roguelike. Not, I mean, they have their whole multiplayer thing, whatever, trying to get you to spend money on uh, right. in that more Magic the Gathering way of like whoever spends the most money has the best cards, blah, blah, blah. But the Mercenaries one is just like kind of fun. They have some cool mechanics. Um where like the position of the characters in front of you kind of like has gameplay impact or I don't know. I just, I saw some things mm. I thought were cool there. Cool. Cool. I remember, um, the skull crusher mm-hmm. on Dale SC, he got sort of absorbed by that game for a minute. He tried to rewrite it in elixir at one point or uh, not elixir, uh, Ember. That was his Ember. jam. Mm. Ember. Ember. Very cool. R.I.P. John. I'm, I'm marking it done. Um, I'm going to go over to... Actually, we got a lot of things that went well, so I'm going to keep going. Um, this is from John. Facebook has a new name now. So they won't. So now they won't be bad for the world anymore. Now, I, I have a couple questions <laughs> about this. 
Yeah. Do you want John. to start? John. Yeah, John. My my first question is, um, why are you lying so much? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not lying. So the thing is that Facebook um, announced, I think it was <clears throat> earlier this week, <clears throat> that they like their corporate entity will be now known as Meta. Mm-hmm. In the same way that Google changed like their parent company's name to Alphabet, but they still obviously have a brand called Google and Facebook and Meta will obviously always have Facebook as the name of their social media platform. But finally, they have a parent company name that really encapsulates all of the various projects they have going on <laughs> and, 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 and all of the good they want to do in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like the ascension of the lizard people. I never met a company. I didn't met a company. Oh, boy. oh, golden. So, so Meta's a dumb name for a company. I mean, we can get that out of there, right? But, but, right. but, but I think the reason they were kind of headed that direction is like this term, the metaverse, which I think is kind of like, I made the jerk off right. motion. Um, and that's because I think it's stupid. <laughs> Brian, isn't that stupid? Yeah, it's like a one stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Can you help our audience understand why it's so stupid? Um, well, it's just like obviously the next, like um, instead of cloud to butt plus, we need metaverse mm. to butt it's the new, plus now. So it's the new cloud. It's the new like nonsense yeah, word that means nothing. It's a nice uh, crypto machine learning kind of word. You guys ever yeah. thought about like the metaverse on the blockchain? Yeah. It's like it's like blockchain, but for cloudy metaverses. <laughs> uh, because it's like obviously just a, a marketing word. I mean, I think it's supposed to mean something like to rationalize Facebook's obsession with VR, which seems to not be going anywhere for them. So they're like, now you can have PowerPoints in, in VR and that's their new metaverse. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. It, it really felt, I did see part of this presentation. It really felt like, are you joking? Is this like us? Is this like a big joke that what's happening? <laughs> I saw this photo of the um, audience as he was like walking up to the stage. Everyone was like wearing Oculus headgear. And then here's this asshole walking down like the center aisle to go get on stage and do his presentation. It looks so dumb. It just looks <laughs> dumb. Right. Right. Man. Right. Have you seen the, um, this reminds me of, uh, TikTok I saw where it was like a, a concert where everybody had to wear stereo headphones and instead of playing the music they just showed everybody dancing with their headphones on but just the sounds of like s- sneakers squeaking on wooden <laughs> floors you know oh, and it's like God. hundreds of people in headphones just <laughs> shuffling around <laughs> squeaking yeah, that's that's because, our awesome because as the metaverse. audience of this thing, we can't hear the sound; only they can. And so, what we right. hear instead is the squeaking of their feet on the floor. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of people moving weirdly with <laughs> headphones on. Mm-hmm. I love that. Very immersive. Um, I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it done. But I have a feeling we're going to come back to Facebook slash Meta. One yeah. more thing is that oh. I think that Facebook is um, only cool for old people. And this has mm. maybe been true for a long time. Um, I deleted my Facebook a while ago just because of how they're bad for the world. But like uh, the things that my wife talks about that she gets value out of from Facebook are like learning about um, school events or like um, yep, finding out that someone lost their dog. You know, right. cool things that, like, teenagers like. Yep. 
right. things that the generation of tomorrow is built on. Right. <laughs> right. It, it really has become like <laughs> event announcements. Um, and, and like then, hate speech. And, and vitriol. <laughs> That's right. That's the, those are the two ways that you can uh, consume Facebook. When's the Trump rally? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a two for one. Collides. That's a two for one. Yeah. Wow, it's a two for. That's how they get to the metaverse. Mm. Um, all right, we're gonna stay with what went well. Actually, no, we'll go to what could be improved. Because I'm like, what is this all about? This is from Brian. It says, "O'Camel has assimilated me." What's O'Camel? Well, O'Camel is a ML. Um, so it's in the family of what does that stand for meadow language i think speaking of unrelated to facebook (laughs) um basically it's like um automatic currying strongly typed functional language so every function is a function of one argument and if it looks like it's a function of multiple arguments that's because if you Mm. give it one if it's a two argument function you give it one argument, now you have a one argument function. Right? So that happens yep. for you automatically um, all throughout the, the compiler. Any multiple argument function is actually returning functions along the way, mm. which means you can supply what you know and then pass the rest on to your friends because mm-hmm. it's functions first. So I just was thinking about this today as I was writing some Elixir and uh, for work and my pair... Gabriel noticed um, that I was like returning a function and it turned out there was like no reason at all Mm. to do that. Um, I just like had a bunch of arguments. I thought like, I don't want to pass those somewhere else. I'll just, you know, make a thing that returns the right function. I wish I had here and then I'll call it. Um, And yeah, so it's kind of like, I feel like polyglot thinking is important for maintaining like a good, like broad perspective on the kinds of solutions that are available when we're writing software. But I also have been in a rut of only wanting to write in F sharp for, which is the, the Microsoft adaptation of OCaml mm-hmm. um, for like more than a year, maybe a couple years now. And I kind of just think in that and I find myself translating other code to OCaml mm-hmm. and back again. So I kind of am in a rut and, but I also, I also love it. So this is sort of me saying I need to expand the way that I'm thinking about programming outside of OCaml and also me evangelizing so that I won't be alone <laughs> as the only person that knows the one true programming language. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the for the uninitiated, I feel like f- one th- language that other people might have heard of that is similar to OCaml. There's a lot of differences, so please don't don't hate on me. But Haskell is a language that mm. a lot of people have heard, and in the front end, Elm. Yeah, um, yep. and these these are both like you know is si- similar. They're not they're not the same. Please don't beat up on me. But they're they've got some similarities that are. They're so similar that there is a thing that I use a lot for front-end apps called Elmish, which is an mm. implementation of the Elm event cycle in F-sharp. Ah, uh, okay. Very nice. So I got onto this journey because I loved Elm, but 
Elm suffers from benevolent dictator syndrome, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where there's one person who's in charge of like the project, and they've recently decided declared themselves emperor of the community. In the last release, they changed the boundaries, so you're no one is allowed to contribute um, anything like at a lower level to Elm except for him. He made himself the gatekeeper of everything, and, and basically, it hasn't changed at all in years since he did that. So sure, it's cool, but it also feels like a fossil that's, you know. So I I went looking for another way that I could experience the things I like about it, and I came across Elmish, and um, yeah, Fable is an F-sharp to JavaScript compiler with, Mm. um, you know, advanced fancy um, bindings for React and, Mm -hmm. and friends and, like, really slick interop because... Oh, camel is basically Haskell with a layer of object. The O is for object oriented, so it has oh. a way to step back and forth between the paradigms when you need to, which is great. I mean, um, we like to live in these like clean little worlds, but in reality, your programs have to do stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. and pretty much a lot of other things, um, object oriented is a better way to to talk to them. Um, so you can build a, a layer of chit chat with the outside world and keep yourself safe from it in your nice little cozy functions only space. This topic of like being assimilated Mm. by the thing, like the tools that click for us or whatever definitely resonates for me. Um, but like, I'm still stuck in OO and just loving that paradigm. And every Mm -hmm. time I go to write TypeScript, I'm like, man, why, like, why does this gotta be like this? Um, and and so I, I, I sometimes struggle with like, what am I missing? Or like what, um, maybe I need to be exposed polyglot, that kind of stuff. So Um, I have a, that brings up a question for me, John, because you spent quite a number of years doing Swift and Swift is not Mm. a traditional OO language. But see, I wrote it like it was OO. I okay. mean, yes, there are structs that are, that are you know, there's pass-by reference and pass-by value and those different things. But, like, I mostly just wrote it like it was OO code unless I had to, like, um, satisfy some iOS contract and you subclass one of their framework things. And whatever, you got to do it the way that they are asking you to mm-hmm. do it. Um, but when it came to, like, the clean little world you're talking about, Brian, in my case, that was, like, just like plain old objects talking to each other. Right. One of my favorite yeah. one of my favorite parts of OO um, is traits or what what interfaces in some languages mm-hmm. prototypes mm-hmm. in other languages, um, yeah, not in the JavaScript prototype sense, but um, the the idea that like things are polymorphic polymorphic, but there's a contract to that polymorphism. Yes, right? and a compiler can verify exactly cor- correctness at that right. level. Right. Right. And even so, F Sharp has that in common with Go, where there are, I didn't know this, but there are implicit interfaces. If you only call a certain set of functions on an object um, and then you pass another object that has those same functions Uh implemented, it's just going to work. Right. Another type. Right. You don't have to declare all of your, they don't have to name all of the interfaces. Yeah. That's, that's nice. Sorry, one more thought. Just that I, in in my experience, like so, like one of the reasons why I wanted to work at a product shop, and like work at a product shop for a while, was like see how code is maintained over time mm-hmm. from a consultant's point of view. You sometimes don't get that perspective. I have definitely seen programmers struggle with OO. Mm-hmm. Like they want to write procedural code, yep, and then mm. stick it in 
you know, I'm, I'm like doing air quotes around these ideas of like objects or services or whatever they mm-hmm. they end up finding. But like actual like well-designed object-oriented code is hard to write. Yes. I think that – Yeah. I, I agree. And I think at a place like Root, there was this move. It There was always a separation of um, data and behavior uh, rather than a co-location, which is kind of what OO is all about. Right, objects that right. they have state and state. they have behavior that are that do stuff on that state, mm-hmm. but like almost everything, everything that did things were services that were class level methods that took in like um, some kind of state or struct object, did mm-hmm. stuff, and then returned another kind of state or struct object, and those state or struct struct objects or hashes or whatever they have no behavior on their own, right. Um, which is that's a very functional programming way of doing things. Even mm-hmm. if there's like if it's commingled with side effects, that's another argument, I guess. But like, I think that that must be like the what's the the carcin carcinogation. Do you, do you know this word? This uh, carcid. This is the this is the uh, phenomenon where everything eventually becomes a crab. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, carcin. Carcinization. Um, it's a convergent evolution in which all crustaceans evolve into crab-like forms um, because there's like all wow. these branches of evolution, right, in the un- these deep-sea things, and somehow they all become crab-like. I just think this is fascinating. But I feel like a, a similar thing might, might be happening in mm. – like there, there's like this way in which we want to program or that it's easier to communicate about right. uh, among – teams especially teams over a long period of time and right. maybe it is a maybe it's a pseudo functional way i don't know all, yeah. all i can tell you is it's expensive to change this code that that it's it's it serves its purpose it does not uh lend itself to change right i get that the oo that you're dealing with yeah, the, yeah, the quote unquote OO that I see in our um, Ruby applications at Artsy tends to be very hard to change mm. because it is only thinking about like the procedure the person had in their head at the time, not like you know, like I say, like some kind of like design uh, where where you've pondered and kind of considered how you know how you can make this thing more OO. I feel like the list of axioms you have to keep in your head if you're writing good FP that pass functional functional style that passes structs around and everything is immutable. The list of things that you have to keep track of or the rules for refactoring are s- smaller, more succinct. There's there's less that you have to to measure whether you know i'm just thinking of like the the gang of four and the patterns and sandy mets and the smells and the stink the stenches and yeah yeah there's there's so many different like um dogmatic rule sets Mm -hmm. to just help you write an object-oriented program that you'll be able to read again in a year you know Mm-hmm. But so in true. in FP, like you have this isolation between data shapes and behavior of on those data shapes, that it feels to me like there's fewer ways to mess that up. However, 
I, I see that stuff getting messed up all the time too. So um, oh, yeah. <laughs> something, Brian, that, that I will always remember from our time programming together was your your idea of like forgetting what we already knew. Do you know what I mean? Oh I yes. That? I yes. I know exactly. And I see this all the time in right. FP that I'm reading where I'm like, you already knew that thing. Why are you computing it again? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That seems symptomatic. Anyway. Um, we are short on time. Should we move to another card? Yeah, that was interesting, y'all. Just got to say, hey, Jess just came on screen. <laughs> let's get in on this uh, programming paradigm chat. <laughs> um, let's. Yeah, l- this, will be, this will be one for the, for the fans. Right. <laughs> Real quick, I'm going to hit something. Um, John, could you just reveal what you were wearing underneath yeah. that sweatshirt real quick? Because I'm going to do the same. We, are, we, we did not plan this, but we were wearing the same hash rocket staff shirt underneath a hoodie so this is a so this is a green shirt that has staff kind of um stylized in like a rope kind of a thing it's from acr i don't know a couple maybe a like while the second ago one or third one like 14 maybe or 13 it, it's been long enough ago but anyway uh the card says wearing the same shirt brian please go get yours so anyway, you don't have to. We're not going to make I, you. That's actually, you I have, have the to. black one. I don't have the green one. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Diana was like, wear this because then people will know that you're helpful. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be helpful. I'm trying to watch <laughs> talks and get drunk. So not wearing that. You got, you got the I wrong refuse. idea about me, Diana. <laughs> you, must, you must have confused me with somebody that wants to help. Um, uh, what went well here. Uh, this is from Brian. Apple picking with the folks. Yeah, yeah. The folks came up and, you know, finding an activity to do is always tricky. Um, and just like found a orchard out in Indiana with some like sort of doily head kind of <laughs> denim skirt people that were super friendly. And, you know, you get a giant box of go walk out there and fill it up and just like watching my kids like they love apples and now they're actually pulling them off the tree it just yeah did my did my daddy heart good yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) just like Uh, did you do any hay rides (laughs) no but they did have a horse-drawn carriage to get us to the trees and back to the parking lot that's fun so we went to a place and we got pumpkins and so you kind of like walk for a while Uh you find the pumpkin patch that really um speaks to you you find the pumpkin and then you like wait for the hayride to come back around and hope that enough people get off so that you can get on otherwise you gotta like wait for the next one and so it there's a couple that came past and like no one was getting off so as the next one approached i was like um, what can we do here to socially engineer the situation I, mm. I, I, I desire? And so I just made sure to tell everybody, this is the best pumpkin patch. <laughs> Y'all should get off right now. And like people got off. This is the one. This yeah. is the one. <laughs> I don't know what you're waiting for. This is the one. Man, <laughs> that's, smart. that's pretty good. That's, smart. that's pretty good. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I threw pumpkins at him, but I'm glad you didn't <laughs> No, I didn't need to. Yeah, very good. I'm that's not sure that good. would have the desired effect. Hmm. We we Did waited you go too harvest long to get, with the kids, Josh. We waited too long to get pumpkins this year, and so we ended up on a wild goose chase, going from supermarket to supermarket looking for any that still had pumpkins. Uh, we did find some, but uh, we ended up at the like what would be like our number four grocery store, like the one where Kroger's closed, the local markets closed. It's called Giant Eagle. 
Yeah. We're not going there if we don't have to. Anyway, they had, they're the only ones that had the pumpkins. Mm. Were they round? <sighs> they, the were, were they were proper pumpkins, but they were okay. like on a shelf inside. So it wasn't quite, you know, next to the produce. It wasn't quite the experience we normally have where we go out to a pumpkin patch. But we're still feeling, you know, the kids aren't vaccinated yet. We're still kind of like hemming and hawing about certain activities. And that was one that was easy to say, yeah, we, mm. we, the carving's more fun this year. Right. So anyway, cool. Done, done, done. We have one discussion topic. I don't know how much we can do with this, but it's the only thing that uh, got any votes at all that I put on here. Um, (laughs) Developer initiated (laughs) app features, dog fooding. Yeah. Yeah. This is something I'm thinking about today because our product, um, you know, there's most of it's kind of like an admin back office kind of interface and there's something that i've added to other back office things now um in the past that i'm always like oh i want that and it's just like a quick jump um like i think github just recently did a feature it's like command k and it opens up this like task switcher slash command thing slash jump to project whatever um these things are super handy especially when you're in um like uh, you know, you kind of click like eight times to get to the thing you're trying to get to because everything is nested right. hierarchies of whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is something I've wanted to do with like a quick, you know, keyboard. Stay on, key, don't make me reach for the mouse kind of thing. Um, right. And so I started, I just said, I'm going to take this on. We have this thing we do at Acclaimant called Big Idea Friday. That's where a lot of times people kind of, you know, you can work on a card or maybe you have a big idea and you're going to try it out. So... I'm working on keyboard shortcuts right now to try to get this to try to make this happen. And and to me, uh, these kinds of features are some of the most rewarding where Mm. I didn't, the product idea did not, did not originate from something disconnected from my own workflow. It's something I'm dog fooding. It's something I'm going to like. Um, and I've already talked to the product guy and like, we're, we have some movement there. So those kinds of, those kinds of features are always super engaging and, and um, fulfilling to work on for me. So your experience of discovering that this was a good fit was from when you're like testing your own work in the admin? Or? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. So you like smoke testing. Something? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in there a lot. I mean, we do front end and back end. Um, when mm. I was at sweetness, we had like, you know, we worked at, it was hotels and within hotels were suites and within suites were connecting rooms and all these hierarchy of things. And then we added like another layer for like companies of multi-chain or like multiple Mm. hotel chains and stuff like that. So Mm. it was super nice to have like a, Oh, just go up to the top quick search. And then you type in a thing and it hits the back end for searches and returns that like heterogeneous list of things that you Mm -hmm. might want. Um, and then you just jump to them and that, that kind of feature is really nice. And it turned out that I wasn't the only one who liked it, right? There were a bunch mm, of admin right. people who were doing data entry and had to jump around a lot, you know? And so, Hey, I can do this thing and I don't have to keep eight tabs open because it's annoying. Yeah. So anyway, that's just an example Good. though of, uh, something that I, I think is pretty cool. Um, it doesn't happen always at product shops, but when, when something kind of happens organically uh, from folks that are in there, I think that's pretty cool. 
We have a command line tool at Artsy called Artsy that I created mostly because I wanted to be able to automate a couple of steps you had to go through to get a token that would be appropriate for a certain API call. Mm. And so um, there's a, yeah, like you could go to a Rails console and like issue a few commands and get one of these tokens back. But like, why can't I just write one line in my, you know, Z shell and then like command R to get it back. And then, you know, so, so, so anyway, like those kinds of things I think are super mm-hmm. valuable in the long run. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I, um, I wrote a rake file that had all the crap I used all the time at Vinetti in it over the years. And it just collected all these things in a giant tar, tar ball. We, call, we called it bake for Brian's rake because I ended up writing an <laughs> alias for it. And eventually it got used by other people. And then I had to start maintaining it. And then it oh, got a little, a little less, less fun. Less I can't fun. just break but it was nice anymore. to be on like video calls and then. You know, I'm able to. I just like type a couple things. I'm like trying to show someone a particular thing, but they get hung up on, oh, how did you set up all those services that quickly? And I just baked them. Yeah, I just baked them right up there. Put them in the oven. Yeah, that. And then uh, Brad's deals. I remember working there, mm-hmm. and the most fulfilling thing is probably like you know top five most fulfilling programming tasks was like. I was literally in the same room as the people that used the thing I was making. So they would, you know, like it was an editor for an army of people who would shop online and try to find deals. And they all were in these cubicles, like right next to me. And so we'd we'd push a feature and then I would actually like hear them talking about whether Mm -hmm. or not it was Mm -hmm. useful. And Mm. being that close to the action is like super rare i think in oh, our yeah. in our field so then when it's your own idea you're like right in there that's good you can actually like not just have the verification of the computer likes it or it's fast but you also have the or i can read the code and you know but you also have the verification of it's actually useful mm-hmm. i made mm-hmm. the computer do something that's actually helpful yep that's super satisfying well, fellas, I think we've reached the time where there's only one more thing to ask, and that's what's for dinner. Brian, what's for dinner? Taking uh, Sarah out to Duck Inn, hopefully. So Ooh, nice. that usually means um, like duck fat hot dogs, um, which are weird, but the really <laughs> fancy cocktails. Mm. 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 Go for the fancy cocktails, stay for the duck hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Right, because mm-hmm. what else is there? <laughs> do, you, do you still call it foie gras when it's a duck? Or is that not even a mm. thing? Too small? All right. I don't know. How about you? What's for dinner, Josh? We're doing, uh, we're doing Donato's pizza tonight. My, uh, so Bethany, my partner, is heading to a ladies' weekend this weekend. And nice. so I'm I'm holding it down here, and we do pizza anyway. But now I'm really doing pizza. I'm trying to get as always. I'm trying to get enough <laughs> that I have leftovers for right. lunch tomorrow. Just cover the whole weekend. Uh huh. Um, I was thinking of you, Josh. We ordered pizza um, this week. Uh-huh. It was just a bad week for um, being good about making food. And um, when I ordered, we ended up with like an extra pizza, and also they sent along like. Um, it was Domino's. They sent only like a box of chicken wings. <laughs> I, I guess Domino's makes chicken wings too. <laughs> you got someone else's order. So we had an extra pizza and a box of chicken wings. I mean, I was I ate it for a week. Yeah, yeah, like you do. 
Domino's did this to me recently. They were like, uh, surprise, it's a free pizza. I was disturbed. I was, was like, I, I ordered two pizzas. Your You're handing me three. What did I do wrong? Yeah. And the delivery guy's like, I don't know, man. They just had to give it to you. It's weird. Do I have so to they pay you more now? Too. Do I have to tip yeah, you There's more? like something There's like sh- something shameful about getting more pizza than you ordered. <laughs> I didn't like it. Right, right. I don't want you to think this about me. Uh, I'm not the kind of person that would have bought these many pizzas. So I will accept the gift because I feel like that's a gift to you to accept it. Right, right. <laughs> Look, pal, I'm doing you the favor here. But I don't want to send you back to the store with the pizza. So oh, just to man. keep your job going smooth. I feel like I knew someone that used to do pizza delivery and would just eat the pizzas. But I can't think of who that might have been. <laughs> might have done that. I think they're probably pretty bad at it then. Um, also, they probably have changed since those those days, if I had to guess. Anyway. Yeah. Probably have. Um, I have to talk about this because I feel compelled, even though I didn't, didn't get a vote. I upgraded to Monterey, the newest version of Mac OS. Mm. And at work, we have a particular service that we always boot on port 5000, and it started to fail. I did some research. Apple took port 5000. Like, they just have a service running on port 5000. And so if you try to boot your own server, you get a 403. And it's super fucking confusing. Mm. Why'd they do that? Why 5000? Yeah, no, I thought I thought everything over a thousand is supposed to be user space for ports, basically. Maybe not. So someone chimed in in Artsy Slack saying that five thousand is a common port in Nodelandia in the Node world. So his theory is some Apple knucklehead like <laughs> made a default Express server yeah, or something yeah. and like shipped done and didn't even think about the fact that they were clobbering like the mostly like one of the most common ports that Node people use. Mm. <laughs> I think that's pretty great. Okay. Things are getting good in Apple world. All right. Anyway, back to Facebook. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Brian, it was, uh, it was great having you on. Um, we Thanks always love it. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, John, I guess it was good to see you too. I mean, I see you a lot. Right. Right. Okay. Love you guys. Love you. Love you.